This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host Jen Wilkin and JT English. What's up? What's up? Hey guys. What's Good up? To see you. What's up? What's up? And this is a special release episode of Knowing Faith. We get to do these every once in a while. They're Today, all special. This is this an one, additional. You know what? Feels Thank special you. already, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. And you know, any moment I have with you guys is a special moment. It's so special. And, and that includes this. Um the, the this series of special moments we're about to share on this special <laughs> release episode of Knowing Faith. Oh so Lord special. help us. Um <laughs> Okay, we've been recording episodes today. If you guys can't tell, but we are gonna, we do want to, we do want to talk with you about something that I'm, I, I am, I'm surprised when I talk to Knowing Faith listeners, they don't know this is happening. And listen, there's a lot that's going on in the world, but there is something that the three of us do, and we wanted to just kind of just draw attention to it, partly because we're able to do it because of Knowing Faith. And we're able to run this cohort because of the success of Knowing Faith and honestly the commitment of our audience and just the investment that the audience of Knowing Faith has in it. And we wanted to do this because we think there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are asking this question. Mm -hmm. I hear what you guys are up to in terms of building these kind of formative adult learning environments live at your church. I hear you talk about Bible studies and classes and the Forge program or the Institute or the training program. I hear about all these different things and that sounds so great. Do I have to move to Storyline? Do I have to move to yes. the village? Do I have to move? <laughs> JT has certainly tried to get everyone to move to Storyline. Come on. Let's yeah, go. He's, got, uh-huh. he's got a pretty big bumper sticker on the show at this point. But... <laughs> But we hear from audience members all the time who are like, how can I do that? How can we have these classes? How can we have these studies? How could we build that out? That sounds so appealing. We want to be able to do that. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. And so JT actually a few years ago came to Jen and I and said, hey, we keep getting these questions. JT, just tell a little bit of the history here around what we call the training the church cohort. Uh, just why did like why did we even think this could be helpful? Yeah, I mean the the reality is 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 we fundamentally believe, and if you don't know this as a listener already, then we have failed you. But we believe that 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 discipleship, its primary context and location, is the life of the local church. And by that, we do not mean just the village church or storyline church or mosaic church. We believe your local church is the primary context for discipleship. And as we've talked about that message and tried to help others do it, the main question we were getting is what Kyle just said: How do we do this? You know, we we would like to start an institute or we'd like to start a forge program or how do we do Bible studies? Jen, can we write our own curriculum? How can you help with that? Like all of these questions we were getting and candidly, because a lot of churches aren't doing this, the the volume of those questions was just pretty high in terms of Mm -hmm. how many we were getting. And we really have a desire to serve, but it was taking away from our like actual jobs in doing this. And so we we said, let's start this cohort. Let's invite, because here's one of the cool things about this cohort is when when we were taking one-off conversations with churches, they were just one-off conversations. It was, hey, okay, church from Austin wants to come in and spend two days with us. They're going to get to see our different environments. And we we loved serving in that way. But the downside was it was just two churches in conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last several years, we've said, let's try to get seven, eight, nine, ten churches, one in the fall semester, one in the spring semester, together, talk about some of these principles and learn from each other. And what we've learned in these cohorts is we we do think that the three of us have something to offer, but ultimately these other churches are are helping each other learn and grow as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, on this episode, we're, we're gonna uh, you're gonna hear from a few folks that have participated in uh, the one of our more recent train the church cohorts, and I'd love for them to just be able to introduce themselves to you now, uh, tell you a little bit about who they are, uh, what they're up to, and where they're ministering at in the life of the church. 
I am a 48-year-old mother of uh, five, ranging in ages um, from seven years old up to 19 years old. I am close to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, so just uh, north of the U.S. border, uh, about two hours north of Seattle. Well, I'm Raphael Mgandla, and I'm uh, the lead pastor at City Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. My name is Corey O'Grady. I'm the city of Amsterdam. Uh, my family and I, my wife and our daughters, we've been here for about eight years. And then on the side, I uh, teach a women's Bible study once a week. Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been doing God's work here for the last seven years. Five years ago, we planted Grace Church Amsterdam. Uh, and so now we're doing ministry in this city uh, with a church family that's made up of people from like 30 plus countries spread across five continents. Uh, one of our pastors and I have just uh, launched something called the School of Discipleship as well. So that, that really takes up all my time in life. Five children, a husband, women's Bible study, and uh, this little discipleship thing we've got going on on the side. I replanted the church and we've just seen just Jesus change lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so our, our daily ministry looks like ministering with Grace Church here in Amsterdam. So you, you just heard from uh, Angie, Raphael, Corey. I mean, these are people doing ministry in three very different environments. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you're talking about Amsterdam, Pennsylvania, British Columbia. There's a replant in there with Raphael. There's a much larger established church with Angie. There's a church plant in Central Europe. So... I guess, Jen, one of the things that I think people are concerned about when they hear about something like the Train of the Church cohort is like, well, are you just going to tell me to copy and paste what you guys did? Mm -hmm. Because like you guys had a lot more resources. Our church is totally unlike yours. But that's not really the goal of the cohort, is it? We're not like trying to go like we have an overall vision and philosophy. Yeah. We're trying to get everybody to buy in on. Maybe if you could sum that up. But then like we're not just trying to get people to be like, do what we did, right? Do it exactly the way we did it. No, not at all. We're trying to give you principles that are scalable. And what's funny is like, uh, obviously I'm in a large church. And so some of the, some of the challenges that we faced with, with implementing these principles was scaling them large. Um, but really doing it in a church that's not large is where you would expect to see these things happening the most often. Um, it's actually easier, I think, to do some of these things in, in spaces that are not millions of people trying to get into, you know, a limited number of spots or whatever. I mean, we had our own set of rodeos that we had to attend in order to make this work. But it is a scalable, the principles are scalable, right? It's going to look different depending on the size of your church and uh, maybe even on the demographics of your church. Uh, but but the idea, as we've said many times, it's it's not a new idea. It's an old idea recently forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that is mm -hmm. what we are trying to offer up. We're not coming to you with the latest, newest novel approach to helping people um, be able to articulate uh, and internalize their belief. We're coming to you with the old ways and saying, what if you put these back into your church, um, this thing that's been recently forgotten, so that we can raise up a generation of disciples who have depth and fortitude and commitment um, according to their understanding of their faith. Mm. 
Yeah. JT, what are some of those principles that are like undergirding it? Like some of the things, what are some of the things that you see without giving everything away? You know, we don't have time in this episode to like go through everything we talk about in the cohort, but what are some of the principles that you feel like, man, they have a huge impact on people when they hear them? I think about some of the lessons we teach in the cohorts gatherings. We'll talk about the logistics of the cohort in a minute, but what are some of the principles that you feel like are most impactful for people when they consider them? Well, like, I think the thing is the, the questions that we ask are actually fairly simple, simple, but they're infrequently asked about your own context because mm-hmm. you just kind of get used to what you're doing. So like one of the questions in one of the sessions that we'll ask is, what do disciples need and are you giving it to them? Because if there's mm-hmm. something that you think a disciple needs that you're not giving them to, uh, giving them, you're training them for something else or you're giving them things that they don't need. So like we'll, we'll do this big long exercise of like what do disciples need and then we'll kind of contrast that with Okay, well then what are you are are you training them in these things? And most often the answer is no, we're yeah. not. And it's mm-hmm. that simple, simple question, a simple exercise of allowing you to step back. Like ministry, here's the reality. The three of us are ministry practitioners. I'm I'm working mm-hmm. 50, 60 hours a week at Storyline. I know you two are doing the same thing. And it's almost like it's easier for me to ask these questions of other churches than my own because I'm so in the fish tank here. Mm-hmm. You kind of just get used to what the rhythm of life is and what each week is, what each month is, what the year is supposed to look like, what programs you have, what programs you don't have. And it takes a lot of courage to step back and say, what might we need to change? What questions do we need to have someone else ask of us so that we can make some small modifications to ministry practices here to truly make resilient Christ-centered disciples. Well, I think JT, I think I think also one of the main things that the cohort does is it gives permission to people who already have an underlying yeah. suspicion that mm-hmm. there is something that they should be doing but they're not sure. That's and it's right. like then you hear someone say, "No, no, no, you're not wrong." Uh, and now that you know that your suspicion is confirmed, how are you going to get from where you are to where you want to be? So I do think a lot of what the cohort does is it gives um, uh, permission to people who were already hoping and thinking, um, I think there might be more that we can be doing for our people. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. I actually got a chance to ask Angie and Corey and Raphael, hey, why did you jump into the cohort at all? They're all practitioners. They have a lot of things going on. And I would love for our audience just to hear from them about kind of what was the reasoning behind jumping in at all. trace back kind of a real burden at a heart uh, for what discipleship looks like or lo- or should look like. Um, when I started having kids and I, I just thought, what does this look like in a home? Like, how do I disciple my children? And the idea of discipleship was so um, foggy to me. Yeah, for me, uh, it was the whole deal of the fact that like, man, you go out there and you make the gospel known. And there begins to be a longing to really understand what does it look like to make disciples, but effective disciples. And so there's a lot of things that are thrown at you in terms of like, hey, this is the way to do it. This is what, but we just want to see people formed and conformed to the image of Christ. As we looked at our church and our discipleship structures and processes, we saw that we had gaps. We had holes there, but we were struggling to figure out exactly what the problem was. 
I have um, really enjoyed through the years Jen Wilkins' teachings and writing. And she had posted something on Instagram talking about a training the church cohort, which I was curious about. She said, we need some women to sign up for this. So as soon as I started reading what it was about, that it was to help train people to make disciples in their local church, it really caught my eye. I applied and was accepted into the cohort. So yeah, an Instagram post by Jen is what kind of roped me in and I'm glad it did. I had heard about the fact that like it was going to really help clarify in terms of like this is what a, a deeply formed disciple looks like and then this is at least like the way at least you walk about obviously like it's not your sprint it's a marathon and this is at least how you put people on track to be lifelong disciples and so for me it was like really coming in to get more and more of the clarity to do that. And so when we learned that the cohort could help us do that, identify where our weak points were, help us build bridges between things we already had that were existing, that was really attractive to us because we knew we had a problem, but it felt like we were kind of going in circles and couldn't really put our finger on an identifiable reason why we have these discipleship gaps. So that's what attracted me to be involved in the cohort in the first place. So, okay, so we've been talking about the cohort, but what actually is it? I think that's helpful for people, you know, when they're like, okay, how do I actually get involved? Uh, what what do I really have to do? And in some ways, it sounds a little bit more intimidating than it actually is. Uh, there's a couple of sessions that we have, which is a large group. It's basically two sets of two days that we do right now digitally. Uh, that's not how we intended it, right, JT? But that is how- Yeah, that first year, we I think we met once. We were all hanging out at Jen's house for a couple of days and then a little thing called COVID-19 uh, crashed <laughs> on the world. And so we yep. had to pivot a little bit. We did. And that COVID landscape really moved us to doing digital sessions. So it's basically, think about it like it's two two-day seminars. That's what it is. So it's two days, kind of at the beginning of a semester, and then about halfway through the semester, another set of two days where we go through those principles, philosophy. We work you through some exercises. Um, in Leadership on the Line, uh, Ronald Heifetz and Martin Linsky, uh, they talk about getting uh, leaders have to get to the ledge which means they have to go over and to kind of get away for a minute to kind of take a look at what's going on. It's what JT was mentioning a moment ago, just kind of clearing your head to be able to ask those fundamental questions about like, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, oftentimes all of us know this experience and you probably do as well of going like, oh man, I'm just so caught up in doing the work that that tyranny of the mm -hmm. urgent crowds out the tyranny of the, the important. And this is an opportunity. Those two days are opportunities to just ask some questions with you or your team. We see a lot of churches do this as a team. So we might have one leader from a church, but more commonly, we might have two, three, four, five leaders at a church who are thinking through discipleship systems and philosophy together. They come together. We lead some sessions. Uh, like, uh, JT, what are some examples of session titles, uh, topics we explore in those group sessions? Uh, sequence, how do disciples grow? And so there we're thinking about, most often churches think about um, how do I keep my people here? Like, oh, and how do I add more people to the church that I'm currently pastoring? And those are fine questions to ask. We're called to shepherd the flock and incorporate people into that flock. So those are fine, but we very infrequently ask the question, now that they're here, how do I create a sequence of discipleship that actually grows them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jen, what's your favorite session to teach? 
<laughs> My favorite session is the one where we talk about, hey, I know you think this is all about having great content, but there's actually a, a bigger principle that needs to be at play than just the content. And it's something that is right in front of you, but you may not be paying attention to. And that's mm. all I'm going to say about it. It's good. That was I a good love, little teaser. I felt like I gave, was, my, I gave the whole ship away. Uh, now I'm trying to remember that session and be like, okay, have I learned that? Uh, but I, my favorite session is I get to teach one on spaces where I talk mm-hmm. about like uh, essential and functional spaces, spaces, essential and dysfunctional spaces. And by spaces, I mean all the ministry environments that we accumulate as a church, the things that we tell people to go to or we resource around. Oftentimes these are like barnacles on a boat. We just mm-hmm. accumulate them over the long yeah. journey but we never pause to go, what really is core here and what's working and what's not core and not working? Because a lot of times churches' resources get zapped because they have a lot of non-core, non-working ministry environments that they're trying to maintain. And that can be exhausting. Maybe you're a ministry leader and you're like, yes and amen, that is me. That's where we're at right now. Well, I asked some of our uh, former participants kind of what really shaped them the most, what was most impactful. I was fascinated by their answers, and I'd love love for you to take a listen to it. There are many parts to it. So we are involved in actually a smallish group, which I really appreciated. I think there were nine or 12 of us in that cohort. So to be able to interact and be taught by you, JT, and Jen, I just felt like I was writing furiously the whole time. And not only writing furiously what you were teaching us, but it resonated so deeply with the ministry I really want to be doing and what I what I believe we're called to do as disciples, which is actually to have a high bar in terms of teaching the people that God has given us the scriptures, teaching them how to live, teaching them how to apply doctrine to just day-to-day life. So the teaching component was huge for me. The clarity that came with the cohort when it came to uh, just looking at every single space in our ministry, uh, whether it's children's church, all the way to our worship times on Sunday, all the spaces that we sit in and we, you know, I was looking at them. There was a lot of things that we had going on, but we had never really sat down to ask ourselves, what are we trying to do here? A lot of it was going and removing some of the spaces that we're realizing they were just not really working. So just having a focus on our space is number one. And number two, I have three sons and just really beginning to think specifically when it comes to what does a healthy disciple look like? We looked at all the places, all the spaces in our church who were trying to disciple people. We realized we're trying really hard, but we're not doing it well in some of these spaces. And being able to identify through the cohort's help, why isn't this going well? Why isn't it accomplishing what we had hoped it would accomplish? Uh, And part of that for us was realizing that we couldn't do everything that you need to help form a disciple all in one or two spaces. The one-on-ones were really good to speak into my specific ministry. So you knew what I was doing, you know what the challenges were, you knew where I had wanted to go and you gave a ton of wisdom, some really good critique, but also great exhortation. And beginning to say, okay, these are the things that we want them to actually have. And 
and really now beginning to say, man, in all these spaces, we're going to have a focused way of actually really working uh, with them to to teach them Christian belief, Christian story, and Christian formation. Like that's our target, that's our bullseye. We want them to walk out and live their lives in this way. And so it gives me so much clarity in that way. The idea of learning and community, not being in competition with each other, but they actually are partners in the discipleship process. And when we learned through the cohort what it looks like for that to be a reality, not just something you say, that was, that was game changing for us in our church. So we talked about how Angie and Corey and Raphael are in such different contexts. You know, uh, Angie was, has been predominantly a lay leader in the life of her church, and she's still trying to build things out in that way. You've got Corey who planted a church, who's got interns and residents, but man, they're still young, thriving and growing, but young. Then you got Raphael who's replanting an established church. So I think sometimes when we've talked about this cohort, JT, everybody hears it's like, oh, that's for the senior pastor. Right. But that's not been our experience with the benefit of this cohort. We see no, people- not at all. What kind of people participate in this cohort? I mean, there's one church. This is one of my favorite churches to interact with, though. They've all, they've all been, I mean, we've had great, mm-hmm. great participants Incredible. across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll have everything like you just mentioned from, a, I'm a, we, have, we have had a lay leader in Angie. We have another lay leader uh, in our current cohort that we're actually yep. meeting uh, this week with. Uh, but then there's one church that has like across the board, they brought seven, eight, like, and it's, they've actually are now doing it for a second time because they had a leadership change and they were like, Hey, this was either they, either they thought it was good and wanted to do it again, or they didn't learn the first time. I'm not sure which one it was, <laughs> but they're back and they've, and their feedback for us has been very, very positive. And they've got everything from their, their leader of discipleship, some executive mm-hmm. team members. They've got three or four lay leaders to kind of hold the staff team accountable a little bit mm-hmm. of like, Hey, this is. Because when you have a lay leader involved in conversations like this, it's it's pretty hard to say, you know, here's what we have going on in the later, and, you, <laughs> and it's like, a, you know, a, a kind of sugar-coated version of what's going sure. on in the life of your church. I would say this, if you're thinking about applying to this, first of all, we'd love to consider your application. Whatever you're doing in the life of your church, we think it could be helpful. Uh, if, you, if you're a lay leader, consider it. We love it love it when it's teams, because that often means you're having to do uh, less translation to the rest of your team back at the church. Like, hey, I went to this cohort and here's what I learned. That doesn't mean you can't do it. But if you if you want to do this with two, three people, we think that's really helpful too. Because it kind of, it kind of uh, you develop a common vernacular for discipleship in the mm-hmm. life of your church. Yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's good. And we've seen both men and women engage in this content, mm-hmm, haven't mm-hmm. we? I mean, honestly, some of our most like all-star alumni uh, are people like Angie. And you're just like, wow. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. meeting Angie and being like, wait, what? How much yep. time are you giving to this as a lady? Like, I was blown mm-hmm. away. I, I don't know that I'd ever met somebody who was that invested. Yeah. Uh, and it's been incredible to see. I think, Jen, you know, I think about some of the women that we have in our cohort right now. It's just incredible to see that leadership capital. And, I, you know, I know we've talked about this. I would love to see more pastors and church leaders get behind the women in their church who are trying to build and cultivate and structure these things and go, you know what? I would love for you to go do this and then for us to, con- uh, to to converse, collaborate, discuss this together. Go discover, find some models, yes. find some systems, and then come back and let's talk about it and be partners in this. So maybe you're even a senior pastor and you're like, I don't have time to do this. I bet mm-hmm. you have a woman in your church who wants to lead. This would be a 
uh, empowering for her and could be incredible as you guys think about collaborating together in the future. Yeah, and if she's a lay leader, she may not have, you know, uh, any way to do this um, financially. And so you might look at partnering with her in that. I know that's often an obstacle for women to participate in these things. I mean, ideally, uh, a woman leader in your church is a part of a larger ministry philosophy around the discipleship of both the men and the women in your church. And so that's why that team element is so great, you know, when a, when a team does the cohort together. But man, if I had had access to something like this as a, as a woman leader um, 15 years ago, it would have saved me a lot of time and trouble because you have instincts, you know, and you have things that you think are right or, 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 or things that you think are going to be obstacles. And, and this just, it, it can be very clarifying as you're analyzing uh, what opportunities you have and also what liabilities you have according to your current space that you are able to impact uh, education in. Yeah. And it's been incredible to watch it evolve. You know, uh, when we built this, we were all working on the same team together at the same church. Now we're mm-hmm. at three different churches that are all three different sizes. that are all three different churches in three different places with different people. And what we're finding is a lot of the ministry principles and philosophy that's undergirding what we're teaching, it's not just transferable to other people within this cohort. We're actually all finding out this road-tested content works in a variety of churches in our own ministries. It's not just like something we're like, oh, we think this will work for you. We have now all road-tested this in three very different places. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We have found it scales effectively down down and up, and it meets the felt needs of your people and the discipleship goals that you have for them as members of your church. That is a win, win, win. I don't know if I've told you guys this, but this was the first thing I did when I got here. We were mid-pandemic. I show up at Storyline, and the first thing I did was to start to take my staff through this to make sure that we were on the same page. So if mm-hmm. you're a ministry leader, and you're in, and depending on, by the way, they didn't go through the cohort. I just did it myself, uh, saving a little money there. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but the reality was, is like, I needed to know, because I, I, here's what I knew. I knew that ministry is not going to look different in this pandemic. And it's also not going to look entirely the same coming out of this pandemic. And we have a real opportunity to change the way we're discipling people for the better in the midst of this, these cultural challenges and this kind of uh, then pandemic that we lived through. And man, I'm so thankful that I did that. Not just because I, I, I've learned so much from you, Jen, and so much from you, Kyle. Uh, and I love doing this with you, but it's actually benefiting me as a pastor that's trying to make some institutional changes in the church that I now lead. That's awesome. Listen, I, I'm going to let our uh, former cohort members have the last word on this because I think they can speak so well to it. But before we do that, let me just kind of give you some next steps. If you're wondering, man, how would I jump into this? Well, it's an application-based cohort and our uh, signups are open right now for the spring 22 uh, 2022 offering uh, of the cohort. And you can find out that information at trainingthechurch.com. If you go to trainingthechurch.com, you can see information about the cohort, both the content and the schedule for the spring. You can also see in the top right-hand corner or on the banner page there, an application button. If you click that, it'll walk you through an application. And I would encourage you to check it out. If this is something that you're interested in implementing in the life of your church, then bring it to your leadership. If you serve as a lay leader, if you don't serve as a lay leader, you serve on staff, this is a great opportunity to go, you know what, this would be excellent professional development for 2022. We have seen this material bless a lot of churches and we would love to work with you in that regard. I'd love for Raphael and Corey and Angie to be able to talk about who would you recommend this to and why would you recommend Training the Church cohort. For more information, you can find us at trainingthechurch.com. And we thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Raphael, Corey, Angie, take it away.
I am a lay leader in my church. I don't have a position at my church. I believe that God put a call on my life to teach women the Bible, and I always want to grow in, in doing that better. And so it is really for anyone that wants to make disciples. So I have been able to, to take what I learned in the cohort, even to my own children and to my own family, even in one-on-one -on -one relationships around me. Anyone who is involved in ministry, who's really wanting to sharpen their spaces, to just get out of the, the hamster wheel of doing a million things, hoping to hit the target, but then really coming in and streamlining so that you can do things really well. I think a lot of groups or conferences often give you kind of a copy and paste approach. Like here's exactly how we do it. Now just go copy what we're doing wherever you're at. But in the cohort, that's not what we got. We got principles that you can apply in any kind of context that you're in and then tools to help you build what you need to accomplish the same goals. We have the same goals in discipleship, um, but to build something that fits your specific church or ministry context. And so what came out of the cohort for me as well uh, was the development, um, along with one of our pastors at church, of a school of discipleship, which we are, um, which we have just, we're in our sixth week of it. And so you all helped me to hone that and give a lot of good advice in terms of how to run it, what to cut out, what to do, how to start. And we're doing Christian Story right now, watching people's engines come alive and we're talking, we're, we're, we're not having to stay shallow on stuff because we want to create community. Even though community is found there, it's been amazing to watch people becoming, uh, like what Church Father Arenaeus said, fully alive. I had someone that was teaching our kids class for the first time come and say, hey, I had a question from one of our kids about how prayer works in relationship to the fact that God's triune. And because of what I learned in one of our classes, in one of our educational spaces, I had a better answer ready to help these kids learn in their discipleship. So it's gonna help you grow and send people both internally in your church and also externally as they go other places to do ministry. That's a huge reason why I would recommend the cohort for anybody. Okay, that was a special episode of Knowing Faith, talking about training the church cohort, something that we're all very passionate about. If you want more information, you can find it at trainingthechurch.com. It's two kind of micro seminars over two two-day periods uh, in a given semester, then with some personalized direction and coaching from the team here at Training the Church to really think about how this material could be implemented and deployed in your unique church context. Thank you. Big shout out to Raphael, to Corey, and to Angie for jumping on the show and for talking about about their experience. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Grace and peace.